We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Prediction Esports Backliners podcast. Agro joined by Barracuda. As per usual, um, Barra, mm-hmm. it was an interesting week of SPL this week. Yeah. Uh, um, s- some ups and downs. Yeah, I'll just uh, go into mine. Sure, man. We should have won. Yeah, you definitely I, had a good shot. I am so mad about our set because I'm pretty sure we should have 2 0'd. Like, because of how our team is playing in scrims versus, or how much better we've got gotten in scrims versus how it did not translate this week in SPL. Me and Vin were, I don't know, full tilt, like rage. I don't know, like, how the best way to put it is. Well, like, so Big game upset. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Game one, they drafted the uh, the full, like, early game call. Mm-hmm. And we drafted a little bit more late game, but we stalled it out so well. We got first blood in solo mm-hmm. when we got it kills and duo at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And then they, gave, they got gold for free. Uh-huh. Don't know why. <laughs> and then <laughs> while they were doing gold, I saw Haim cross the ward and I was like, we should go to Pyro. 
Well, we went to Pyro 20 seconds after they got gold. <laughs> and uh, we lost Pyro. Still 1,000 gold down. Still a completely winnable game. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, we dive so hard into an Oleron ult and lose the team fight. Yeah, Oleron ult, pretty good. It turns out. Yeah. Um, that, that was pretty good. Um, you, you brought up an interesting... Uh, you, what, one of the things that you said there made me come up with a question. Because I was watching today, uh, mm-hmm. the second set, and Obey was up like three, 4,000 gold at mm-hmm. 29 minutes. Um, and someone in chat said, why are the casters still talking about a gold lead? Gold doesn't matter at like mm-hmm. 29, 30 minutes. And gold difference does vary uh, in terms of importance as the game goes later. But mm-hmm. for you guys, like when you're playing, are there benchmarks that it's like, oh man, if if we're down a thousand gold at two minutes, like what the hell is going on here? Or like, you know, what are some of those things that are notable to you or where you think this is still winnable if, if it's this amount of gold at 10 minutes or it's not winnable mm-hmm. at, at that amount? You know what I mean? Um, I would say that depends on our comp. Given the example of our game one comp where we drafted so much more late game than they did, being down a thousand gold to two thousand gold at ten minutes does not matter. Like mentally for me, I'm completely satisfied and we just drag that out. But if it's I would say if it's been a five thousand gold lead and you have a late game comp versus an early game comp and it's ten minutes, you need to start making plays. You need to start doing something on the map. Right. If it's five thousand gold lead at twenty minutes, that's playable, but it's still in that risky territory. Again, late game converse, early game comp. At 30 minutes, doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, at that lead, I mean, it is something to talk about on the cast, but as a player mentally, you're not affected by it one bit. Sure. Fourth out. So at 30 minutes, 10K is obviously like you've been getting blown out all game. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Is there a lead sub 10K that worries you at 30 minutes? Hmm. I would say probably seven to eight, depending on team comps. Sure. If it's if we're late game and they're still early game at thirty minutes and we're down seven to eight K, I'm still happy. Like okay. we're still in a winning position and if we play the team fights correctly, we should win. Also experience comes into play, but that's a whole nother talk because I don't know the exact numbers or like the exact levels that I would feel comfortable like right. saying out loud. Sure. Um but as far as gold goes uh, my mental, I'm kind of like always, unless it's like if it's early game versus early game, and if it's one of those like scrim games that happens to be streamed on SPL, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Or like, yeah, like where uh, you you four man group at the red buff, the first red buff respawn, and the ADC gets a triple kill, like like that kind of uh, yeah. like that kind of game. You're you're just going next on that one, dude. Yeah. Bro, I <laughs> got ahead. so emotionally invested into that Obey set today. When they lost, it hurt me more than my own loss. Yeah, um, those were tough because they were winning both games. Um, yeah. Sino's post-set tweet was fantastic. Like, the I can't believe we lost both those games. Like, I'm with them, dude. Because it's not like they had drafted early game. They mm-hmm. Their draft was really good late game they yeah. really didn't have a whole lot of business winning early game not that ssg's nope. comp was bad late game but i don't think it necessarily matched but um 
Yeah, they, they, it turns out they lost both those games, which was uh, it, which was disappointing for sure. It was just individual mistakes, team mistakes, and objective mistakes. Both games, and when you're making that many mistakes, you can't win. Yeah. And, like, I think it was game one where Wowie took, like, an, an elongated, like, 1v2, tried to kill Cherry. Oh, yeah, because Cherry was Naja, yeah. And then Wowie ends up dying for it. And then inbound drops the body block on Vote, and then Vote goes into the purple buff. Inbound pushes him as Kuzimbo, and then Sino blinks, misses his stun because oh, he got pushed by so inbound. Awkward. Yep. And it was like three mistakes in a row, and you have like a three thousand gold lead, two point five, three thousand, whatever it was. Yep. And then after that fight, it was like a completely even game. I'm like. I know. If one of those things did not happen, Sino is in a completely better spot coming into that team fight. And Wowie's probably still alive for that team fight. Like, dude. Brutal. I know. It was brutal. Sam brings up a good question. I did want to get to this. Uh, I don't know if you saw Dolson um, on the desk. Both Mifflin and Dolson were doing a bit. Mifflin was doing was wearing his Obey jersey, you know, used to play under Obey Alliance, loves rooting for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was trying to put all his energy behind them. And he goes, well, what could possibly go wrong? How could it get worse for Obey? You know, they're only going up from here. And Dave goes, (laughs) well, they could remove one team from the SPL and they would get relegated. Look, look, here's what here's here's my opinion on this. And this is truly my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. what both of them are doing is not technically acceptable on a broadcast, right? Like Mifflin is being v- clearly biased for obey. Mm-hmm. And I think Dave does the right thing of whenever you're do- it's like an improv strategy. Whenever you're, you're co-actor or whatever you want to say, the person you're, you're improving with is going one way. You go hard the other in order to bring mm-hmm. balance to the bit. And that's all Dave did. Mm-hmm. What, is what Dave said in a vacuum good to say on broadcast? Of course not. But neither is what Mifflin is saying on broadcast. But no one's going to criticize him for that because it's positive, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's it, – I understand that in a vacuum it was an unacceptable thing to say. But I think in context, I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, you can talk from a more player perspective. Mine's a, a, a big um, – you know, I'm, I'm biased for the casters, of course. But mm-hmm. that's, that's the way I view it at least. I mean, as a player, if I was on Obey, I would be tilted. But as a player not on Obey, it looks like a lighthearted joke because Mifflin's saying, like, there's nowhere else to go but up. And then Dolson's like, well, you know. <laughs> like, so from the outside for me as a player, it looks like a joke. But if I was on Obey, I'd be like, hey, man, that's not funny. Like, we're literally, like, trying our hardest right now. And, like, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and in fairness to Dave, he spent the entire other part of the death segment saying what they've been doing better and, and highlighting the good parts. So I don't think that it's fair to think that that's even Dave's actual opinion. You know, I think that it's a little bit uh, you, you can make the argument on whether or not that bit should ever be happening in the first place. But mm-hmm. overall, I think um, it's very clear that Dave doesn't actually think that. So mm-hmm. uh I think saying otherwise is a little bit disingenuous in my mind. But and I also made the exact same joke on my stream. <laughs> well, there you go. Wow, wow, Barra, how come no one clipped you, man? How come well, no? 
Come on. I mean, technically, my team was dropped last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just coming from a place of experience. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I know what that feels like. Fair enough. A lot of people in chat saying it's not on the official broadcast. You're all right. Um, but I think part of high res's identity from day one has been that mm. we don't take ourselves too seriously. I think the last few years we tried to get really deep into that serious aspect and the community didn't like it as much. It didn't feel as genuine from us. Um, and this, I think that's what the majority of our fans want. So, uh, I, I think that it did not cross a line for me, but that's, you know, it's an opinion piece. So that's the way it is. I, yeah, my final opinion is I think it was a lighthearted joke, but obey as players should and can be offended, but sure. I don't think anything more will come from it. I don't think there's a whole lot of value in people being offended for obey is the way I'll say mm-hmm. it. Like six Agreed. people, you know, seven for shook. They get deserve, they deserve to be a little bit upset and everyone else can uh, have a laugh. That's kind of the way mm-hmm. it goes. Um, also, uh, a really good way to avoid being made jokes of in the future uh, is to win your games. Um, God, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Stop me when I'm wrong. Uh, Sometimes it's too hard, Agro. Sometimes you double script for a whole year. You come to land every week and you lose. So, you know, sometimes it's too hard. Hey, man, you're trying your best. And that's all we can ever ask. You know, that's all we can ever ask for sure. Sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code PREDICTION or DealDash.fm slash PREDICTION. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot com slash P-R-E-E-D-I-C-T-I-O-N. And now let's get back to the podcast. I, I want to I touch on what Spellguess asks in the chat. Um, what went wrong for United this week, man? Because they looked better uh, after week one. I thought they looked pretty good after week one, all things considered. Um, week two was not as kind for them. Uh-oh, let me... <laughs> I have to do the same thing. Mackenzie has a little uh, a little thing that she keeps itching at, and I have to. Uh, so apologies <laughs> about to stop her. She brought the hair tie and she's yelling at me. Oh, she's pumped. Um, oh god, it's not going to stop. Uh, I'll just ignore. Her. I think their dueling did not play well. Agreed. I think 
Guy J on the Frey game looked lost in team fights, and I think Paul. I think Paul had like a stellar performance. Um, I was roasting him on my stream or my viewing of the games because I was saying he wasn't a Mori player, and I liked him a lot more and everything else, but. He proved me wrong very quickly at like eight to ten minutes. That was his best game. Morgan game, and it wasn't close. He has never had a Morgan game even <laughs> half as good in his whole life. And I was on your side, and I'm now on your side that it's okay now. You know, that's the yeah. way it goes. Agreed. I don't know if it was him or his team or like a combination of both where they just started. They're just popping off. And then uh, game two, I just remember what Gajo was playing. I remember he was... Uller, oh yeah, they were Uller Herkling, and they got ganked once, and then got ganked while invading their purple, and then got ganked again in lane, and then from there on, the game is over. Coffins. Yeah, yeah, the game is literally over. I was casting that set, and um, as soon as that lane falls behind, your game is over. Like, yep. if you lose with Hercules Uller, uh, the laning phase, you can you can move on, um, and that's. Uh, that that's just kind of how that lane goes. Lumen in chat says Snoopy isn't really settling in too well. He didn't look better this week. I I agree, I agree and I disagree because I thought mechanically he looked way better this week. Um, I think that like even in that Hercules game, I, he was landing everything. It was mm-hmm. just he was in the wrong spot a couple times and they got punished for it really hard. Um, but overall, I I don't think that. It was an irredeemable week for Snoopy. I think Scream looked really lost. And uh, I think Guy J looked really lost. I think Snoopy just looked inexperienced more than more than anything else in my mind. Variety looked like he was playing a rain game. Yeah, that was a tough one game, too, huh? Like, oh, I think you actually talked about that. Yeah. On the cast. Yeah. It's one of those rank games, dude, where you're chilling in solo. You solo your lane opponent. You're feeling really good. You press tab and you're like, what is happening in this game? Like, what? That's the one where you tweet about how you're not, you're taking a break from ranked after that. You yep. know, like that's that kind of game. So you feel for him there for sure. You, you got a, you got a game like that that you can remember, Barra, where, where you, you, it felt like one of those ranked games. Well, I mean, game three this weekend felt like that. <laughs> well, I was like, also game three, I'm not mad about. All right, we messed up our draft. We thought it would work, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I'm zero zero zero. I look over like the world's burning. And I'm like, okay, this one's an L. That's fine. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't expect to beat Ghost drafting like that. Like, yep. with the with the way that Ghost plays, the way they pressure buffs, we cannot expect to win games against Ghost like that. And Oh, yeah, but we'll, we'll go to game two real quick for me. Sure. So, game two was probably the hardest I have raged in-game in months. In an SPL game, anyways. Um, so, again, like game one, we were not doing anything on the map. We were just sitting there watching as they would go from our purple buff to our blue buff, and then back to our purple buff, and then back to our blue buff. And there was one time where I got dove behind my tower from Ravana. And I like bees to walk into my one because I misplaced it a little bit, thinking I could like make a play and I could not make a play and instantly died. Mm-hmm. And I just yelled at my teammates. <laughs> and uh, 
it was one of those rage moments that I think ended up winning us the game because everyone was just playing scared. Yeah. And I and I think I, I just said something along the lines of, can we do something on the map? But like angrier and louder. Yeah. Because we were wa- just watching their jungler and support walk across the map to anywhere they wanted and do whatever they wanted on the map. And every single game I played, they're like, Peacat's literally untouched. Yep. He can literally do whatever he wants. I think it was game has- one. He played Heimdall game one, or was that game two? He, he, played, he played both Heim- games. He played Heim game two and game three. No, he played a game one, game one and game two. Game three. Oh, game three was Freya. Yeah, yeah, he he played Freya. Um, I think game one. Did he die? Did he die at all that game? No, he was five and zero, and um, I don't think took any significant damage whatsoever. Um, He was really free casting in those fights, and we were talking about that watching that game. I remember. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like. We cannot win games like this. Yeah. Like, especially in scrims when we're the ones setting the pace and we're the ones making plays and making teams respond to us and respect our plays on the map to going to a complete 180 in SPL, watching PBM literally walk at us full HP on any character he selects and then us responding to what PBM's doing instead of making our own plays on the map. Yep. And like that just can't happen. Like I know PBM's like a big player and a big playmaker for that team, but you have to get past that mentally. You yep. have to not be afraid to afraid to step into their jungle and make plays. And I even raged after we won game two going into game three because I basically took like the coach's standpoint and just yelled at everyone saying like we cannot play scared in SPL. We have to make our own plays we have to set the pace or we will continue to lose right and then we, we just messed up our draft but we still didn't play scared and i like that i that's why i didn't care about game three because we didn't play scared right well like, we picked a losing lane and picked to like play towards solo side but we didn't play scared of them mm-hmm. and that's why game one and game two were such more important games for me because there's so much more to learn there and we watched them back and it's just we literally over respect to them so much like we, we were even like tied in wards but their wards were all on our side of the map and our wards were all on our side of the map sure so we're not actually getting gaining any vision and gaining any intelligence because we can't make our own place because they don't know any of their timers or know anything that's happening on the map because they just have so much pressure yeah i think um I think a big thing, uh, I mean, I say that on the cast literally all the time is it's like you're, it is so hard to win when you are reacting to what the enemy team is doing because mm-hmm. th- they have it already planned out what they're doing and then can react to you. You have to figure out what they're doing, form your own plan, and then execute on that plan and then react to what their reaction is on your reaction. And that's like impossible. It's You have to be... And, that, and honestly, and you can speak to this better than I can, I feel like that's how old Smite was played. Like, if you were the mm-hmm. better team, I feel like you guys on Cloud9 would just take games late all the time and go, yeah, we'll just show up wherever they want to go, and then we'll just 
out button them you know we'll just like out team fight them and then you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff but the game has changed so much since then that i thought that was old sores problem back in the day like season four Mm -hmm. that they wanted to play that old brand of of just reacting and and counter punching and and i just don't think you can do that anymore i think there's a reason that ghost has been really successful and um that's been that i don't think they react ever i think they're always the one that uh is trying to push the pace that's why I think we have such a good matchup into Ghost because normally we're the ones setting the pace and normally we're the ones making them react. And in my opinion, if you put Ghost on the back foot, that's how you get wins against them. Sure. Because if they're on the front foot, they're the ones in their comfort zone. That's how they always play. Right. And if you're the one actually with a lead against them, that's how you win. Yeah, I think that's a a very fair analysis for sure. You want to get them uh, off their home court, so to speak. Um before we move on to our ranked topic, uh, <laughs> Sam says we're always in our comfort zone. That is true. Um, I want to I want to talk because the my big um, magnifying glass this week coming in was for Sanguine because they had a big week with Space Station and with Radiance, uh, two of the best teams in the league right now. And Sanguine goes 0-2, only wins one game across those two sets. Um what what did you see from them this week that you think led them to struggle? I think they're in between metas right now. And I think game one, they got hard taken advantage of. And Against Radiance or SSG? Uh, Radiance. Okay. Um, I think they're... And then game two, they played what they're good at. And in my opinion, if I was Sanguine's coach, they don't need to play it towards what other teams play. They just need to play what they play. Sure. And because they're good with their picks. And I think as the metas shift, we'll find out how good they are. Because I feel like phase one was a really good meta for what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And now the meta shifting a little bit and changing we get to see if they will either adapt to the meta or play their old meta. In my opinion, they should just play their old meta. Play Jing, play Ganesh, play a hypercarry mid, and let Panson play an aggressive style jungler that can make plays on the map. Yep. And put Yarkor on whatever he wants. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just think they're in a rough spot right now. Yeah. For whatever I th- reason. Yeah, I think that that's a really undervalued part because metas take a long time to change. Um mm-hmm. I don't think the general public like really gets how important that kind of stuff is. And I think that when like I put a lot of value into a team like current space station, because Mm -hmm. I think that they can either play multiple different types of metas or warp metas around their picks and the way that Mm -hmm. they play the map. I think that that makes a team much scarier to me uh, overall. And I think that, not only do teams get unfairly judged both positively and negatively based on one meta, but players do too. Um, mm-hmm. And, and like God pools and that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. No one is ever going to say that, that Shinto is not absolutely sick, nasty at mid lane. The dude is mm-hmm. just sick with his fundamentals. But I think to you, I don't think that like, like if I were making a team tomorrow for season eight and I could see no more games from here on out, I think that it would, I'd be hard pressed to put a whole lot more value in someone like Shinto 
than someone like Hurrowind, who's played a thousand <laughs> different metas and has been consistently good enough to be a championship team on all of them. Whereas mm-hmm. Shinto, I know the high end might technically be higher, but who knows what the rest of it is, right? Like who knows what, what other types of metas that player can play. And I think that's just something that goes really um, overlooked by the community. Like how, how vastly different players and teams can look just based on meta alone. And also to that point, there was a guy that I saw, I can't remember if it was a Twitch chat uh, message or like a Reddit message or something. But I remember seeing someone say, I need to stop valuing soul so highly there are other picks. <laughs> How'd you take that one, Barra? It's funny that viewers see things so one-dimensional. Yep. And... If they think I'm the one saying, please, God, give me fr- or soul here. And if I don't get soul here, I will lose the game. Yeah, they uh, <laughs> it was the exact same way today in Obey set where game one, they're winning and they go, oh, Sino picked an assassin. Looks like they're winning. Weird coincidence. And it's like, obviously, that's not it, dude. Like they could have like it wasn't exclusively because they had an assassin. It's not binary. It's not like the rest of the team yeah. sees a warrior and goes, yeah, we're not going to take pressure over on the left side now just because Sino's on a warrior. Like, that's not how this works. It's just not. Yep. And sometimes your teammates want to get counter picks, And sometimes you'll be the guy that's like, don't worry, guys. I'll first pick my pick. You know, <laughs> you guys want to wait. You want to hold. Don't worry. I'll first pick Soul. It'll go great. <laughs> Man. Never said, never say Barrow didn't do anything for his teammates, chat. That's uh, that's what you should <laughs> learn from this. Um, but viewers are just, and viewers and fans are very one dimensional. Like, even for last year, um, when uh, this will always be in my head, Sino on Cab, viewers hated that. Yep. And for us as a team, it was fantastic for what we needed as a team pick an assassin sino it's why para's losing just uh, (laughs) you're making para and jeff lose by picking kabracken that is what i assume they all sound like i don't know and people also think like he's like out to get us by locking in cab again or something (laughs) like bro it's by far what worked for us and i think obey is still obey reminds me of us last year where they try things in scrims, and then for whatever reason, whenever it comes to SPL, it does not work. And as a player, it is very frustrating. Yep. Because it's like, what's even the point of practice if every time we try a meta or try a strategy or think that they're going to top through these picks, so then we top through these picks and try to lead them into baiting or like baiting a pick later or like baiting their top three, and then we got exactly what we wanted. We load in, and it doesn't work. And you're just like, why? Yeah. And today, in Obey's set, because it's still like super fresh in my mind, their team fighting was dog. Yep. That was some of the worst team fights I have ever seen out of an SPL team. They were so uncoordinated, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like, it's... <sighs> it's so weird to watch. Like, I know how good those players are. Yeah. And it's so frustrating to watch them come to SPL and just play worse. Yeah. Like, there's no reason for why I would stay along in a 1v2 against a Freya 
and there's no reason for Simon to blink in early. Like, it's just so rough. Yeah, I don't know. Just some some game day stuff, I suppose. I think Seafog uh, put it pretty well in the chat. Seafog says, I think uh, that picks and bans thing that we were talking about comes from understanding how picks work and rank and assuming that comp picks and bans work the same way when they are obviously mm-hmm. very different. Also, Blitzkov says that's why you get so emotionally hurt when they lost today because Obey reminds you of you last year. That makes sense. A, uh, a very uh, observant observation. I mean, that wound is still fresh. <laughs> There's no team scrammed as much as we did last year. And yeah. that hurts. Like I think especially, of- so historically, I will say, I have been very judgmental is too strong of a word. But I do mm-hmm. think that historically, smite teams have been too lax with the way that they practice. Um, mm-hmm. and in my, because and it's really just based on what I liked as a player and what I would want. If I were a full-time SPL player now and I didn't have consistent scrims from like 11 a.m. until 5 p.m., I, I know that my own personal schedule would get really messed up and like I wouldn't be because that's the way I've just I've worked since I was like 13 years old. So like I love mm-hmm. having a very consistent work schedule that I know what I'm doing. Um mm-hmm. But as I, as I've like watched teams and, and talked to teams about their practice and that kind of stuff, especially like this year, phase two is so long. This phase goes yeah. into like the first week of November. We are in yep. August. Like, I think it's actually a little bit detrimental. I think there is such a thing as over practicing and over scrimming. And I would be I like if I were on a team right now, I would not be double booking because I think you're ju- you're inevitably going to burn out and mm-hmm. i think looking in the long term it's just better to i would still be you know practicing five six days a week uh or i guess like four days a week games one to two and then off days the other days but double booking i do think would weigh on me mentally just knowing that it's gonna go this set there's like this phase is so long this time around but uh, every team is different so that uh, it's kind of up to them yeah, for us right now, we're only double booking one day out of the week. Yeah. And which mentally for us is a good thing because on that day, it's more trying stuff out that day and trying new things. And then on your other days, because three hours is a very short yes. block. And. If you're trying out several picks that day, especially like picks that just got changed through a patch or a new strategy you want to try out, it's really hard to get an accurate representation of that whatever you're trying out in three hours. So the double block helps us do that. And then the single blocks is basically full try hard, full sweat the entire time. And if someone, yeah, we're, we're, we're being very harsh on everyone on our team for this split because we are very, very hungry for wins. And if anyone's sleeping late or if we feel like anyone's lax during scrims or not taking it too seriously. Yeah. Good. It's a job, dude. It's a job. Yep. I've always, I've always felt like uh, a lot of teams and, and players don't uh, value that time as, as they should. So that's, I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing for sure. Okay. Moving on to uh, our main topic though, at, at this point, it's a secondary topic. Uh, I, I get asked this all the time, bear. I'm sure you do as well, 
on how what gods people should be playing in each role, how how they should be uh, climbing and ranked. And so I think that if we just go role by role, recommend some gods and some general strategies on what we think wins you games in mm-hmm. ranked. Um, hopefully that'll help some people climb up. Um, so let's start with ADC. Uh, the let's go let's go bottom to top in terms of roles you should play if you want to climb by yourself in ranked let's let's assume this is all solo queue okay i think adc is the worst one to play do you agree i would say support really for noobs for noobs and viewers sorry Um, chat (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know why you said the same thing twice and let's assume you're like a gold player trying to get to like diamond or plat or like high plat. Let's uh, let's frame it that way. Uh, <laughs> I would say support, bro. You are trolling. Support bro. is number two, only to jungle, only to jungle. No, bad supports don't know what to play. And well, that, that's what we play. are here for, Barra. We're telling them what? today. That's- it's right now. <laughs> no, we're telling okay. them today. We're telling them today. Okay. This is this is the overall. Don't assume the player is bad. Just assume the player doesn't know what they should so be playing. So we're we're saying, giving them that information. You're saying this person theoretically is mm-hmm. a star, a no. diamond in the rough. Sure. And they play really well. And they're actually the one stuck in Elo Hell. <laughs> I'm saying that if you think that you are a good enough player to climb. You think you are below where you should be in ELO. Which everyone does. <laughs> which everyone does. Then if you just play enough games in these roles and play well, I think you will move up. If you're playing the way that I think is the best way to climb in ranked. Nah, I still, I still think support. All right. Fair enough. Fifth. Uh, I think if you're at gold, you don't know how to play and you don't know how to carry a support. I think support's a really hard role, but a role good players will abuse. Yes. So if you're a good player as support, you are the secondary jungler running on the map, impacting every lane and making sure your laners are ahead, as well as feeling good about the game, which means like you're putting out pressure, you're putting out wards, you're making plays, you're setting up plays for your team, and you're not being the support that's I'm Kepri. I plucked this guy. Why did I die? Why did Bro, why are you playing Kepri? That's, that's what the list is here for, Barra. We'll start with support then, okay? <laughs> Here's what I think you should be picking as support. Why are you attacking me? Like every game. No, no. I'm just, it's a springboard. <laughs> you know, you're motivating me right here. You're perfect. <laughs> okay. This is exactly what I wanted to hear, okay? What? You're bouncing. Here's some of the best support gods that I think you, you should play in order to carry. Because I agree, if you're picking if you're picking Geb, you are asking to lose. You're asking for mm-hmm. it, okay? And this is going to be the overall big thing that is going to transcend all roles. Pick mm-hmm. pressure. Smite, in Smite, pressure is so broken. It's so broken, okay? Learn how to play Hercules, pick it every game in support. I'm not kidding. Even if you, you are not going to be Aurora PBM. And you know what? You don't have to be because the enemy support is picking Kumba and doing nothing. Okay. Cause you're going to be getting in there every fight. All right. You're picking Hercules. You're picking Ymir. You're picking gods that can run it down at all times. And if you aren't getting in there, you're doing it wrong. All right. Pick gods that 
uh, pick Horus. Pick gods that are going to win the lane for you instantly without your ADC doing anything at all. And you're going to be in a much better spot as a support. And if you... you know how many dude, I'm telling you, you just spawned? <laughs> good! Support is broken and it's fun, man. I love support. I love playing support. I think it's so fun. You just got to get in there. You can't be scared. Do not. Here's a good here's a good tip. Do not under any circumstances pick Geb no matter how good it looks into their comp. Don't pick Kepri. Don't pick um oh who's the other support I was thinking of that's like super defensive. Um Sylvanas? Sylvanas is like on the edge. I don't know. Like I think Sylvanas bad. I think Sylvanas kind I of think- bad too. I think Cab's pretty good for running down supports. Yeah, if Cab can be cab. good. Don't pick Terra. You'll never hit your two. Um, <laughs> let's just be real here. You've got you've to win team fights by yourself, okay? You've got to win team Bro. fights by yourself. And that's, that's the mentality you're going in with. And there will be games you lose, even when you feel like you shouldn't. So I can play Ares? No. You didn't listen to the number one thing. You've got to win the lane by yourself. That is the most important thing you can do. You have to win your 2v2. You I would argue to. you can throw Naja and Mulan into yes. your mix. Yes, Naja, perfect support pick. Mulan, perfect support pick. Yes, Low Res Studios, hate the name. Do not ever pick Athena, ever. Because Athena can never win a game by herself because you need your team to hit stuff off your taunt. Why are you playing that? You got to do it. You got to do it yourself. Ratatoskr support, I'm in. I'm signing up mm-hmm. for that. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. Glitch, that, that, that's what I want to see. So if you're playing support, pick pressure be on get good at timers that's important ama supports a good idea ganesh maybe hachi support only if you're neil ma ganesh you have to be good at ganesh you have to be good at ganesh but if you are good with ganesh i do think he can hard carry games for sure um but that's the big thing uh the next one on the totem pole so i think supports number two the the second easiest role to carry from because and and here's why though barra if i'm picking if I'm picking Hercules support and the enemy support who's about the same level as me, like in terms of skill, is picking Kepri, how do I ever not snowball the game on that guy? Like the support diff is going to be huge, right? That's what I'm talking about. Like you can support diff really easily and win games off of it. I, I'm just going to say you're looking at it through like uh, rose tinted whatever glasses. Maybe. Whatever. Maybe you're right. As Supports. A- oh, Sobek. Pick Sobek. That god is OP. Do not. Sobek. Sobek is so OP. Giant bait. Sobek is so OP. All right. Giant bait. But hit your plucks or else. Dude, people will pluck and then kill your teammates. There's a very hard, like, mental gap you have to have. to after you pass that gap, you're good at Sobek. But before that gap, you do not know when to pluck. You do not know when to tail up. You do not know when to ult. And you're just literally pressing your buttons in team fights because they're up. They're always up, and they all do a million damage, and they solo me as a mid laner. So pick Sobek. That's all I have to say, okay? Um, Bad guy. <laughs> uh, I think the best role to carry from is obviously jungle, right? Jungle, easy. 100%. Easy. Junglers easy. are so broken. And here's the other thing. This is... Okay, Barry, you might want to close your ears. Junglers, gank duo level two. Every oh, game. Oh. It is yeah. free elo. Mm-hmm free elo pick ratatosker pick erlong shen don't don't pick set you're not gonna do like that's not it okay 
We're getting in there as gods that can gank duo early or level two gank solo and cheese them because you'll tilt them. Pele is a good pick. Like just just gank early and then hard farm and then just capitalize. That's it. Like I assume that's all Alquang is. is still good at the yep. lower levels. Alquang is where you can just run down. Thanatos yep. is only good if you can hit your ones consistently. Robin's um, a perfect one. Robin is perfect. Here. There's so many bad Robins, bro. Even at top level, you'll just see like, boop, and then miss. <laughs> yeah, well, the, listen, that kid has enough damage with it. You don't even need to hit the all. That's what's so nuts about That's it. That's true. Um, I think Arachne, any like Golden Blade abused jungler is good right now. Yes, and you just pick, pick Baka, dude. Yeah, pick two or three Golden Blade abusers that you're good with and just run it down. Arachne, Baka... Uh, I don't know if it's good on Kali, but I've seen it a decent amount on Kali. Don't know if it's actually good. And then if you I want do like think, a magical Ao or Hebo, in my opinion. Yeah, I do think Kali is too late game. Um, if, as Flintsteel asks, you want something that's good enough early. Mercury is like the line for me, where he's good enough early to war- warrant picking, um, mm-hmm. but still not very good overall. Dude, noobs uh, cannot merc gank duo though. They can't. They will just dash into a whole wave. They sure will. And think that it's a kill. And I'm like, I think Nem is good, but kind of hard to do perfectly. Here's agreed. the here's the other big jungle tip that I have for you. Um, understand when lanes are lost. If you're if your ADC is like mm. three levels down, if you go over there, you're just gonna get double killed. So oh. don't do that. That's a tilt. Go ahead. Number one across the board, don't be afraid to mute idiots. Oh, yes, yes. Just 100%. Mute just mute them. It'll make your life so much better. So it's much better. It's not worth hearing their VGS spam. Help, help, help. Gank right lane, gank right lane. Just mute. Yep. Like, if you're a person that gets easily tilted, just mute. Yep. Because also, don't type. Typing will literally just make the situation worse. No Unbind one's ever been entity. like, Man, I had a great conversation in Smite today. No one has ever said that. Or in any MOBA. Or in any competitive game. Yep. Like, completely agree. Just don't do it. You will not You will not change them. They will not change you. So unbind the enter key if you have to. Um, oh, the other one. As a jungler, as you get into the, into the like, mid-game, just pick the person who's doing the most on their team and kill them. Don't worry about anybody else like if they're because that's how ranked usually is it's usually four people on each team that are like around the same Mm. and then one person who's doing really well on both teams just focus that person because you're an assassin and that's what your job is so just kill them if it's like a supporter or a solo laner that's ruining you guys that's a little bit more awkward but if it's like a solo laner and you're playing them just start alting the solo laner instead of alting their yep. backline. If their backline's not doing anything, just just remember that. But target identification as a jungler is, is very important. And um, also, don't be afraid to pull a Chario and just play on solo side and just invade the enemy backcamps. If you have a stronger 1v1, keep invading those backcamps. Keep yep. holding W, get those timers, ward their red, ward their back uh, camps on solo side, and just pick which side you want to go for on each spawn. Yep. And literally just hold W at whichever one. Tell your team, I'm going to be here, and that's all you got to do. There you go. Um, okay, mid lane. Because uh, I think mid is the uh, third best role to carry from right now uh, behind jungle and support, in my mind, mm-hmm. even though Bear disagrees. Uh, <laughs> here's my number one pet peeve that I see ranked, jungler, or ranked mid laners make, and it does sometimes work, but I, that does not mean it's the correct play. 
If you and your jungler are going to clear red, and your jungler decides, I'm going to go gank duo after this red, which, as we've covered, is a good plan for them, mm-hmm. do not follow them. Do <laughs> not ever level two or level three gank duo as a mid laner, because if their mid laner is smart and they just shove your wave and go to your back camps and take those and then come back and shove the next wave, you are so far behind. All you have to do as a mid laner, as soon as they go to their red, enemy missing middle, be careful left, a couple pings on them so they're paying attention, and then go shove your wave. Do not miss waves as a mid laner. Don't left click ping for enemy missings. Always right click. Yep. It's left click. I would sleep through that. Like, (laughs) please don't left click ping for missing calls. It's so annoying. Always right click. Always just ping my ears. Yes. Let me know. Uh, this and is another general tip that I really like. If you see someone on a ward, which I, I assume you're looking at your mini map all, all the time, because that's what you should be doing as a good player. Um, and you see someone rotating to a fight, do the, I don't even do be careful left or, or enemy incoming or anything like that. I just right click ping where they are in the direct line to that lane. Yep. I just ping the whole line. And then that way they know exactly where they're coming from. And that'll get their attention way more than be careful left or anything like that. So that, that is a, a big one for me. But the big thing for me um, as a mid laner, don't miss waves because there's a lot of farm in mid right now. And if you get every wave, you will be in a great position to carry and also build to hit the front line and just kill the front line every fight. And mm-hmm. you will you win. Is... Is that flat pin sword rebuild still meta for most mids? Yeah, I think it's good. Dude, I've been experimenting okay. with Book of Thoth uh, and those types of builds, and they feel really good. Like, Book of Thoth like is book so cheap. Either Book 2 start or uh, Mage's Book 1 has felt pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that... Into boots or... Yeah, into book. boots, into a flat pen mm-hmm. option, into... Um, soul reaver and then dude all these auto attacking um all these auto attacking assassins you finish that build with a book of the dead and they literally can never kill you as long as your proc Mm -hmm. is up because you just get like 800 health shields it's insane yeah like it i feel like that build is really good and no one's buying it at all i don't understand i think it's hard right now to buy an spl i don't know if it's it's a little slow but dude it is like it's 1150 from book two to finish thoth that's it yeah I feel like you'd probably do it against like a scaling team, like against like Sanguine Radiance or SSG. You'd probably get away with one of those builds. Yeah. And but against an early game team, you probably get punished pretty hard for that. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. Anyway. That's fair. All right, we got to keep it moving because we're running out of time. We're already kind of oh, over. Yeah. Uh, okay, picks in mid lane to go with. If you think you are better than the enemy mid laner, you like you think you're in a low, like too low of elo of a game. I think the best god to solo enemy mid laners with is Agni by far. You get mm-hmm. to punish worse players with Agni better than anybody in the game because you just always have buttons up and they all do a lot of damage uh, and you're pretty safe. So I think Agni's a great low elo pick if you think you're better than them. Uh, Hera's another one if you think you're better um, than the enemy mid laner that lets you get actual solo kill potential. But I'm not... Scylla's okay. Uh, I think she's a little bit too late game. I think do not pick Merlin. Um, <laughs> just don't pick him. You're not going to do enough. I don't think like if I'm talking gold, trying to get to plat or plat, trying to get to diamond, 
God's like Agni are going to be your bread and butter. I think Hera's perfect. Um, oh, I got to pull up. The I was going to say Raijin. Raijin is perfect. Yep, that's that's a great one. Isis gets Raijin, uh, Isis is Neith too bad. Yeah, Neath having a hunter in mid is going to be important. Um, that you have in the God pool. So play at least one. Uh, Neath is probably the best one. Uller is really good, but harder mechanically, of course. Uh, Discordia is pretty good. Um. Yeah, Hebo as well. That's that's the four. Also, that's all you need. Learn to abuse Morrigan, okay? Morrigan is literally abuse. Like, we're talking Golden Blade abuse, Hikate abuse, and Morrigan abuse. Morrigan is OP, and she is not that hard, okay? It is not really that not. hard. All you do is you stun some... All right. You, you stand somewhere where you don't think they'll have a warden. You press three. You press one instantly. Don't, don't wait until you're right next to them. Press one, because it'll just prime it. And then you just mosey on through the team fight, slam a backliner, auto two, insta transform, and you're good. Like, that god's OP. Play that god, for yep. sure. Um, we gotta move on, but uh, here's my Morgan guide. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, that was your, I was impersonating you. Oh, well, was it good? It was great. Thank that you. was really great advice. Um, solo lane, uh, what do you think... <laughs> is the best way to climb as a solo okay. Because I think this one's I think, I think Solo's OP, and I think every solo is a crybaby poopy pants <laughs> that doesn't want to do anything. That was a very MLC like... stealth sentence from you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I feel like solo are OP, and everyone just sucks at solo because the solo that I play against, like Alma, yep. Kakolin, yep. any god that can rotate fast around the map, and steal back camps, proxy waves, rotate mid, abuse the mid laner, proxy the next wave, steal back camps, maybe steal a speed buff on the way, and then find their way to the duo lane at 12 minutes in and kill me. Okay, your lane is OP. Also, you can buy thorns easily in that role, which makes it 10 times better than any other role in the game. And every soul in there is just a crybaby. Sure. Yeah, I can get on board with most of that. Um, good picks over there in solo lane. Do not pick like yorm like you're just, oh, yeah you're just not gonna win if you win it won't be because of what you did necessarily and that is it's so the the pro game is so different pick ama is a great pick whatever warrior you're most comfortable uh, with winning lane i don't care if bologna isn't thought of as very good if you feel like you win lane every game is bologna picker that's fine i would say ama right now in my opinion the hyper carry solars are ama and wukong and vamana yeah all those are great and they all have different builds, some uh, soul eater, some not soul eater, some attack speed, some whatever else you want. Um, find a build that works and or copy, paste a soul eater's build, whatever the, they're building in these, this meta right now. And just run it down. Also, I feel like Mulan is up there, but yep. I feel like Mulan's kind of hard because some people are just like, herder, let me ult here and die. So don't do that. That can be Always ult, ult intelligently as Mulan. It's not that hard. Yep. Um... um if you here's a hint if you blink behind the enemy team and then alt towards your team as mulan that alt gets real good real fast because then you don't get yep. punished and it's just a giant root in a knockup which is uh turns out pretty good um yep. yeah just know learn how to proxy waves efficiently if you see their jungler and left you know you're safe um mid laner can rotate but you know uh Get timers on enemy back camps and blue buffs. Don't be afraid to ping your jungler for help on the blue buff, but also don't be afraid to give it up if they can't come to that. Uh, and here's and here's the big thing. 
If you are ahead in solo, there is something magical about finishing your third item and then insta-rotating. That third item power spike in solo lane is so nuts yep. because you build these really cheap things that are, that are really efficient, and then you have these warrior base stats. As soon as you finish your third item, look to rotate because for whatever reason, that feels like a super sweet spot all the time as long as you weren't super far behind. And in my opinion, ward their backs on that little entryway if you can. Yep. And if you can get the back camp in there as well, as well as the crossway from mid where their mid harpies are on your side on that little entry point. So you have two aggressive wards, one at their back camps, one at their little entryway. Get a timer on their blue buff, a timer on their back camps, timer on the mid camps, and start proxying. If you're just better than the enemy solo, don't worry about killing him, just worry about out rotating him and impacting the rest of the game. Yep. It's you way so better. Much more. It's way better to impact four people's games than just one person's game. And yep. if you're better than him, you'll carry the fights. 100%. Team fighting as a solo laner is dope, and uh, you should do it more. Um, okay, yep. last but, in this case, I think, least, uh, ADC. <laughs> Listen, I think ADC, because if you have a bad support, they can throw your lane for you, and then oh, yeah. you are so far behind, it is difficult to, to come back from. But team fighting mm-hmm. is where you really get the most of your money. And, and so I'll leave you with the, with the God recommendations and everything. Cause I avoid this role like the plague when I can. Um, I always recommend Hachi for some reason. I feel like Hachi is kind of like old Chiron where he kind of just does everything that a good hunter can do. You can be aggressive with Hachi. You can be defensive with Hachi and he has good poke. He has a good fight. He has a good disengage. He has a good engage. So you can kind of play him anyway. Um, I feel like Haim is a little too hard. I won't worry about learning Haim yep. unless you just love learning and want to spend like a good few weeks learning that god. Uh, Uller is really good if you're good at Uller, but I wouldn't worry about him. Honestly, it's going to sound troll, but Artemis and Hachi, I think, are your best picks. Agreed. Because those are and picks that that snowball lanes really well. Like, if you get yep. ahead, it is really hard to live. Oh, and Hikate abusers. Just yep. pick one. Yep. Whatever you're good at, magic you see why, just pick one and just keep playing it. Yep. Literally have one right now. And, yeah, yep. just learn learn a few hunters. Make sure you have some magical hunters in the back pocket. And, uh, yep. and just do what you can in ADC. Hold on. You know, hold on. That's, yeah, that's so... Your whole goal as an ADC and low tier ranked, in my opinion, is securing your purple buff and playing safe. Uh, if you over aggress, you need to know where the enemy jungler is. And if you don't, just don't go for it. And it's just not worth the risk because if you die there, you're going to look like Eunite's dual lane and you're going to get behind and you're going to not feel great about it. And you're just going to be there and be like, I'm behind. This sucks. There's nothing I can do. I'm an aggressive pick and now I can't be aggressive anymore. Just worry about farming. Take your good fights where you can. And if it's not a good fight, don't worry about it. Just back off. Yeah. Also, there's there's two identities, in my opinion, to ADC. You can either be the rundown ADC. You can pick on her. You can pick Medusa. You can pick Uller. Hold W. If you want to be more team fighting ADC, you can go Hachi. You can go Artemis. You can go Turnabog. All three of those, in my opinion, are good at ranked for just team fighting and just farming. So pick your style. Stick with that style and run it down or play safe for team fights. And your whole objective for playing safe is screwing your purples, doing your alphas on spawn, pinging golds if the enemy dueling backs at a bad time. And your whole objective as an aggressive 
uh, ADC is to wait to see their jungler on the map and then go for a play. Or if you just want to force like a 1v2, if you do see their jungler on your side of the map, just fight. Just show that you're better than the two people coming over and just fight them. And that's how Zapman became Zapman. Just All you have to do is fight. Channel your inner Zapman. Uh, a lot of questions yep. in chat about how often you should rotate as a carry. Um, only rotate if you're going to guarantee get one kill. And this is advice for climbing. Yes. Not, if you're already a high-level player, don't worry about it. And yes. If you're, if you're just a bad player, that's the advice to you. Don't rotate unless you're guaranteed going to get a kill for yourself. And that's how you should be looking at every single rotation. If you're going to late rotate and you're just going to sit under your mid-tier 1 or tier 2 tower and kill a wave and share it three ways, don't rotate. Go back to dual lane. Go farm over there. It's way more farm. And just play selfishly. Like... That's my number one tip. Just play selfishly. Don't play for your team. Play selfishly. And that doesn't mean never rotate. That just means rotate when it's good for you. Don't care about your teammates. Because when you start caring about your teammates as an ADC, you're going to put yourself in bad spots. You're going to try to, like, sacrifice yourself and play, like, a non-ADC role. Play selfishly. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you're, the, you're the late game hyper carry. Play selfishly. I, yep. think, that's the, I think that's the right mentality. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us here this week on the Backliners podcast. Uh, if you are listening, please give us a rating. If you're watching on Twitch, um, then make sure you also give us a rating on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys check out all the stuff on the Prediction Esports uh, page. They've got a lot of different podcasts on a whole bunch of different uh, different esports, which is really awesome. Uh, next week, Barra, I was thinking um, maybe we do like a little a little AMA a episode or something like that. Off. Oh yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm sorry maybe we do a for little like for you no, for for us as a show like oh, we let I people know, know to, to come tune in live and uh and maybe we'll try and pre-gather some questions ahead of time so i think that's what we're gonna do next week so if you're listening try and make sure you tune in 8 p.m twitch.tv slash prediction esports of course you can follow all that um either uh at twitter.com slash aggro or twitter.com slash barracuda doubles on all the consonants uh with an <laughs> underscore at the end um <laughs> that's how we do it around here so yeah get your questions ready i think that'll be a fun episode and uh and we'll see an- oh yeah random question um okay we're already way over time um so barra what is your favorite color blue what shade come on now you know i'm uh, a stickler for specifics what shade what do you mean? Blue. There's a million. Navy blue, 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 robin's egg, turquoise. They, there's, there's a billion different ones. Blue, blue. Okay. Blue. Oh, I don't know what a, a shade of blue is called. Okay. Well, my favorite Let color me. is green. There you go. What shade? Not. I don't. I don't have a specific shade for you. All right. If we're gonna play your game. What you're but, harping on me? But you don't okay. even have a shade of green. I like dark, like darker green. Not yeah, it's not not super light, like neon green. Um, but you know, like like a nice forest. Yeah, like a nice forest green. Yeah. That's uh, actually a color. Holy, that's yeah. a genius. I like I like light blue. Kind of a mix. Kind of like the color of the Twitter icon. Okay. Like it's like sky blue or baby blue. Yeah, something like that. Sky blue, for sure. A very uh, popular pick there, Baron. And and you know what? No one can blame you. No one can blame you for sure. (laughs) All right, chat. That's it for us. Thanks for listening slash watching. And we'll see you next week for an AMA. So if you, oh yeah, if you aren't going to be there, 
Uh, feel free to send us a tweet. Just use the hashtag, uh, the backliners, like I use on all of our tweets. Um, and then that way I can easily find them for next week. So if you can't be here, use hashtag the backliners. And, uh, and that way I'll definitely see it for sure. Okay. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com